Welcome everyone uh, to Dafyomi one week at a time. And uh, this week is our eighth class. And um, we are going to be reviewing Daf 52 through 57. Uh, sorry for the change in time. Uh, thank you for everyone who could make it live. Um, so I, I'm actually going to review through tomorrow's DAF. I'm going to include tomorrow's DAF. Um, and we'll talk about next week at the end of class. Um, so let's begin uh, DAF 52. We were in the middle of discussing um, about where the Kohen Gadol, where the high priest walks through uh, through the, the sanctuary, the Heichal, to get to the Kodesh HaKodeshim, to the Holy of Holies. Uh, and we said that he walks uh, between, he doesn't walk between the menorah and the wall. And uh, the top of Daf 52 explains that um, the reason he doesn't walk on that side is that we don't want him to get dirty, right? Behind the menorah, uh, as we can imagine, as we see on Hanukkah, uh, sometimes when we light candles near a wall, uh, it gets the wall a little dirty. We don't want the Kohen Gadol to walk over there, um, and therefore he's going to walk uh, down the middle, uh, as we discussed last week. Um, the Gemara asks, um, if, if there was a space between the two curtains that separated the Kodesh, the sanctuary, from the Kodesh HaKodeshim, um, and we have pictures today. Hold on. Let me share them with you. Um, okay. So, chat if somebody wants to say something. Okay. So, you can see here in this picture um, the dimensions of the temple. And here the Gemara says that the walls were actually um, counted in the dimensions, right? If you, if you can see here on the left, it says that the wall of the sanctuary was five amot, and then the inside, right, number one is the wall, that's five amot, then the, the ulam, the, the next air opening, the, the, I guess, like, antechamber that was... Um, 11 amot, and then the wall of the Heichal number 3 was 6 amot, and it basically goes through all the dimensions from east to west, and um, you can see that they are counting the dimensions of the wall. And if you can see, number 5 is exactly what we were just discussing. That's the amma between the two curtains. Uh, and here you can see a really... Oh, wait. Uh, no, not yet. Um, Wait one minute. Maybe it was last week. No. Okay. Well, we're going to see in a minute uh, the the two curtains. Um, and basically, we have an ama, right? A, a an arm's length um, between uh, the like outer curtain and the inner curtain. And, and of course, whenever we have something in between, we always want to know: is it does it belong to? Uh, we are on da fifty two. Um, and the um, the Gemara wants to understand the ama in the middle of these curtains. Is it uh, does it have the sanctity like the kodesh, meaning uh, like the uh, I guess outer sanctuary, the kodesh, or the holy of holies, right, the inner sanctuary? Um, 
does it have that sanctity, right? So, because it's right in the middle, does it go to the east or to the west uh, in terms of sanctity? So, um, the, the Gemara on 52 says that Shlomo, King Solomon, made this divider between the Kodesh and the Kodesh HaKodeshim, meaning between these two areas. And again, that doesn't really help us because we have to try to understand, um, again, is it like the Kodesh or is it like the Kodesh HaKodeshim? Uh, and from here, the Gemara um, discusses five times in the, uh, in the Bible where um, it's unclear in the verse is something connected to the first part of the verse or the second part, right? Like we always want to know where to put the comma. Wherever you put the comma changes the meaning of the sentence. Um, and the Gemara goes through these five different um, stories. Uh, one is with uh, five different verses. One of them is with Cain, where it says, um, you're not going to be able to carry this. Uh, the question is, does it go to the first or the second part of the verse? Uh, when it's talking about the um, cups, the knobs, and the flowers of the menorah, it says that something was decorated. So the question is, were the cups decorated, meaning the first part of the verse, or were the knobs and flowers decorated, which is the second verse? Um, the same thing with Amalek. It says that when you're going to fight tomorrow, the question is, is that when you're going to fight or when you need to daven in order to prepare for the battle? Uh, the same thing with um, um, also the, the bracha, the blessing of Shimon and Levi. It says arur, but it's not clear uh, which part of the verse uh, it is referring to. Uh, again, the idea of kam, like kum, or you're supposed to rise up. Uh, and the question is, or ah, kam, that they rose up. Right? Did Bnei Israel get up to do idol worshiping? Or is it that Moshe will rise again? Meaning we're not sure where the comma is in, the, um, in these verses. Um, okay, let's move on to the next Mishnah. Uh, the next Mishnah, we are going to, as I, as I mentioned in the email, we're continuing with the Yom Kippur service. And we, we started talking about the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, as he's walking towards the Kodesh HaKodeshim, the inner sanctuary. And we want to know um, what, what he's going to do next. Um, so um, the Mishnah uh, on 52 describes that the outer parochet, the outer curtain, was folded back, as you can see here in the picture. Um, and then the, the Kohen walked in between the curtains. Uh, here's the picture I wanted to show you before. Ooh, sorry. Uh, you see how he's walking in between the two curtains? Again, to remind ourselves, he's carrying the shovel, the pan, with the burning coals in his right hand. Remember, because it was heavy. He's carrying the spoon with the ktoret, the incense, in his left hand. And he's now walking from the Kodesh. Now he's going through um, these two curtains. Um, and then um, he's going to get to the Aron. Uh, it's interesting in this picture, they don't show the Aron. So uh, we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but the, uh, here you see there's like a slab of stone. We're going to talk about this stone in a minute. And, um, but in the first temple, this is where the Aron, the Ark of the Tablets of the Covenant, sat. 
Um, and then the, the Mishnah describes that he's going to put the shovel with the coals down on the stone um, in front of the Aron, in front of the, the ark. And then he's going to put the incense on top of the coals. Um, and then he's going to wait till, as you can see here, uh, till uh, the, the um, entire room fills up with smoke. Um, and then he walks, uh, okay, so, and then he walks back, he leaves it there, he walks backwards out from where he came, and then he says a short tefillah, a short prayer in the Kodesh, and the Mishnah ends by saying it needs to be short so that um, the children of Israel are, don't get nervous, which we'll, we'll try to understand. Um, okay, so now the Gemara wants to understand at the bottom of 52, are we talking about the first temple or the second temple? Because as I mentioned, if it's the first temple, so then there was an Aron, there was an Ark, but there weren't two curtains. As we mentioned last week, in the first temple, there was actually a wall with one curtain in the opening. Um, if it's the second temple, then it has two curtains, but it doesn't have the Ark, it doesn't have the Aron. Um, and from here, we get into a very interesting discussion about the Ark, uh, and it seems it's going to be uh, a, a difference of opinion, of course, because we're learning Gemara. Uh, it's going to be a machloket. What happened to the Ark, uh, to the Aron? And the Gemara says on 52 that many of the utensils uh, from the temple were hidden away during uh, the first temple, and they were hidden by King Yoshiahu. Uh, and this includes the Aron, the, as I mentioned, the Ark, the jar. There was a jar of man from the, um, from the, uh, the desert that was left, uh, that was stored in the uh, Aron, in the Ark. Um, there was also a little flask of the oil that was used to anoint uh, the kings and the vessels uh, and the staff of Aaron. Oh, that's good for Parshat Shavuah. Uh, that's going to be this coming, um, that, this coming week's uh, Torah portion. Uh, we're going to hear about uh, the staff of Aaron that blossomed, and uh, that staff was put into the ark as well. Um, okay, the Gemara now discusses how was the incense put on the coals. Um, so the options are either it started uh, close to the uh, Aron, and then it came closer to the um, to the priest, meaning it's he starts further away and then he comes closer, or the opposite, right? He starts close to himself and then he goes further away. Um, the Gemara ends on on the bottom of fifty two that it it makes more logical sense that he would start closer and then move. Um, Sorry, that it would start uh, further away and then come closer. The top of Da 53, uh, the Gemara says you have to be very careful, right? Again, if he would start here and then have to go over the coals, that would be uh, more dangerous because then the smoke is going to come up in, in his face as opposed to starting further away from him and then bringing it closer to himself. Um, the, the Gemara is very clear to tell us that he does not put the ktoret, the incense, 
on the coals before going into the room, into the Kodesh HaKodashim. Rather, he goes in first and then he burns it. Why? Because, again, we have mentioned this a few times, we're concerned for the Tzdukim. Again, um, um, the Sadducees, uh, they only uh, accepted the written Torah and not the oral as well. And they said that, or I should say, they interpreted the verse that talked about um, seeing God or engaging with God. And they said, you can only go into Kodesh Kodashim with smoke already in front of you. Um, if you don't have that smoke, you cannot enter that room or that uh, area. Um, but the uh, sages say that is not the way to interpret the verse. Rather, you enter the room first, then put on the incense, and then the room fills with smoke. Um, okay, uh, here the, the Gemara talks about the composition of the Ktoret and of the incense. One of the ingredients was called Ma'ale Ashan, or it was Ma'ale Ashan. Uh, this was an, uh, a... I guess an herb or something that they burnt uh, that made the smoke um, um, rise up. And the Gemara talks about the importance of using this ingredient, that you need every single ingredient um, in the Ktoret, otherwise you are liable for death. Uh, and this is interestingly in our uh, tefillah, in our prayers, we have a prayer called Pitom HaKtoret, and it describes how they made the Ktoret. And um, they say that when you read that prayer, you should read it very carefully because it's as if you're creating the ktoret for yourself, the incense for yourself. Um, again, uh, the Gemara says on 53 that this ma'ale ashan teaches us that you need the root and the leaves of, uh, of this plant and that the smoke went straight up and then it filled up the whole room. Um, Okay, um, excellent. Okay, so now uh, there's a verse that also teaches us uh, or gives us a warning and a punishment for bringing the wrong ktoret, right? We want to make sure that the incense that is brought is the right one, is the proper one. It's made out of everything. Um, and the warning was said before Nadav Avihu. To remind us, Nadav Avihu are the children of Aharon. And on the day, unfortunately, a very tragic day of the inauguration of the Mishkan, of the tabernacle in the desert, they brought what the, the Torah describes as a foreign fire uh, into the uh, sanctuary. Um, so this is being compared to this ktoret that when we go into the sanctuary, the priest has to be very careful that he's doing it exactly the way he was supposed to. Um, the Gemara then says, well, if the warning um, was only, was said before, but the punishment is only said after, then why were Nadava Avihu punished? Um, and here is, interestingly, uh, when we study this um, this parsha, we talk about what really was the sin of the two sons of Aaron, right? It says that they brought this foreign, uh, this foreign fire, but it's it's not clear what what was wrong. And um, here the Gemara brings another uh, an alternative reading, and it was that they um, 
that Nadav Avihu uh, actually rules what should be the law in front of Moshe, meaning instead of asking their teacher Moshe, they decided what the rule should be. Uh, and instead of bringing, you know, they decided that they should bring their own fire. Um, and because they came up with that on their own, they were punished instead of asking their teacher. Um, okay, we said that the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, then walks backwards and um, he goes out. And this is learned from Shlomo HaMelech when he was coming and going, um, or when he was going and coming from Jerusalem to Giv'on, uh, where there was a uh, an altar. And, um, and it says that he faced the altar the whole time when he was coming and when he was going. Uh, so therefore, we see that you're supposed to uh, face the altar and walk backwards. Um, and uh, the Gemara says that everyone in the temple faces the, again, the sanctuary, the ulam, and you always walk backwards. Uh, this could be a, a reason that when people go uh, to the, the Kotel, uh, if you've seen people who, when they leave the Kotel, walk backwards, it's a sign of um, a sign of respect, a sign that we don't want to leave the sanctity of the place. Um, okay. Um, ah, the Gemara then says that we should also leave our teachers this way uh, by walking backwards. We shouldn't turn our backs to our teachers. Uh, and the Gemara gives uh, different stories of different students that leave their rabbis while walking backwards. Um, and they say even Rabbi Yossi, uh, who was blind, even when they left him, uh, they also walked backwards, even though he didn't really know. It was a sign of respect. Uh, and uh, another thing that we do every day is taking three steps back when we finish our personal prayer, the Shemona Asrei, we take three steps backwards, again, as a sign of respect. We want to stay before God. Um, and so the, the Gemara says you take three steps back, you wait a little bit, and then you can walk forward, right? Because again, uh, we want to say that we don't want to leave God. Um, we say, Ose Shalom Bim Romav. So uh, as I was reading this, I got a little nervous because the, the Gemara says, first you bow to the right, and then you bow to the left. And I'm like, oh, wait, I don't do that. But of course, the next line was say, says, no, the opposite, uh, because the verse says you should, you should bow to the right, but the, the Gemara says maybe it means to the right of God. So if, it, if it's God's right, then we should bow to our left, which is really God's right. Uh, and that is really what uh, I've seen most people do, which is bow to the left and then to the right, and then you wait. Um, and then you walk forward. Um, okay, let's continue on 53. Uh, the Gemara says that the prayer of the Kohen Gadol when he leaves the Kodesh HaKodeshim, what did he say? Uh, one opinion is that he said that it's, it, you know, it should be a rainy year, and if it's, uh, you know, only if it's really hot, and, um, and um, that like everybody should have ah, that there should be good leadership and that everyone should have parnasa they should have um prosperity um 
uh, and he, then we get a story of Rabbi Hanina ben Dosa, who was walking home, and it started to rain. So then he prayed that it should stop because he was getting wet. He didn't have a raincoat, so he he prayed for it to stop. And then uh, when he and then it stopped. And when he got home, he prayed for it to to start again. Um, but the the Gemara says like that's not a good thing because people have fields. People need the rain. It's not good for people to pray for it to stop raining. Uh, and therefore, uh, this is actually something we should not pray for. Uh, the Gemara says that it should be a short prayer. Why? Because if it's too long, people will get nervous that maybe he died. Uh, so again, as we know, it was very dangerous uh, to go into the Kodesh HaKodeshim. And we wanted to make sure that, um, that he was going to be okay. Okay, the next Mishnah on 53. Sorry, one second. Okay, here we go. Uh, we are getting to um, the application of blood. Um, so the Mishnah explains that when there was no Aron, as you can see here in the picture, there's no ark here. Uh, there's just the, the stone. Um, so then, ah, here, so the, the Mishnah says that there was a stone called the Evan Shashtia, uh, which we'll talk about in a minute. And it was about three fingers off the ground. And then he should put the Ktoret there. And then he takes the blood of the par, of the bull, and he's going to go to the place where he stood. Remember, he was just there for the incense. He went out to get the blood. He goes back into the place that he was standing uh, before. And then he sprinkles the blood once up and then seven times down. Let's see if you have here. Okay, this is once up. You can see he's going to sprinkle up. And then uh, here's the next picture. He's going to sprinkle down. And you can see if you look on the floor, if you see here, he, it shows like seven dots. So he's he's sprinkling the seven dots on, below. Um, and it's matzlif. We're going to explain what that means. But like he, he spritzes, he sprinkles the blood, and he needs to count. How does he count? One, one and one, one and two, one and three, etc. We're going to explain why. And then he goes out again. Uh, he goes out of the sanctuary and um, he puts uh, the blood that he was holding the cup on a stand. It's interesting that this picture chose, uh, actually, we do Paskin. Uh, we do say this, that there were two stands, which uh, we'll talk about more in a minute. Then he goes out and he slaughters the goat. Remember the one that said La Hashem? So he goes out and he slaughters. Okay. Um, I just thought it was interesting because you slaughter from the other side. So it's interesting that... Okay, fine. Here, the, the Kohen Gadol is already accepting the blood into the cup. And then he's going to... Um, collect the blood, then he goes into the Kodesh HaKodeshim. You see, he's, he has the, the blood. Here you see two stands with two cups. One is the, the blood of the bull. One is the blood of the goat. Then he's going to... Oh, so there's no, no picture. Okay, then he goes um, back into this Kodesh HaKodeshim. He does the same thing. One up, seven down, and he has to count. Then he goes back out, and he puts it down on the stand. Then he takes the blood of the par, of the bull, and now he's going to sprinkle in front of the parochet, in front of the, um, the curtain. You can see here there's one drop on the floor, so one up, and then seven down. Do you see the seven dots on the floor? Not on the curtain, rather in front of it. 
um, and he's going to count again. Uh, and then he ta- he switches. Uh, wait, not yet. And then he goes back. Excuse me, and he takes the blood of the goat, and he does the same thing again. And the last thing that the Mishnah says is that he's going to mix the two bloods together, and uh, we'll we'll talk about what he does there. Okay, um, the bottom of 53 says that the Mishnah says that when the Aaron was taken, ah, this Mishnah, the Mishnah said that when the Aaron was taken, so then they did it on the stone. So, but hold on, the last daf we said that the Aaron was hidden. So was it hidden or was it taken, right? Taken means taken to exile. Uh, and it was um, basically exiled with the, Ju- the Jewish people. So there's one opinion that says that it was exiled to Babylonia, to Babel, and that's based on a verse. Or as we saw before, it was maybe it was hidden. Uh, so they taught both of these things. There are two verses that imply that it was taken to Babel. Um, or really that it was hidden. And now we're on the top of 54. Um, here uh, it says that, the, that, it was, uh, that there's another verse that says that the, the Aaron was actually hidden, right? And then the question is, it says, and it was there till this day, meaning ad hayom hazet, till now or forever. Uh, and the question is, when it says that in the Torah, in the, in the Bible, does it really mean forever? Right, but we know that that's not true. Not every time that it says forever does it mean forever. Right, it says that um, the Jewish people um, will never leave Israel. Um, but there were Jews that there there were years that there were no Jews in Israel. Right, so many verses uh, explains right that there were uh, again what what happened here. Right, there were seven years where there was sulfur and salt in, in the in the land, and there were no Jews at all. Um, so uh, maybe uh, the 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 Gemara says, well, maybe it says it was there, it was sham there, ad hayom hazeh. So those two together, maybe that means forever. Uh, but if it just says ad hayom hazeh, meaning till this day, that does not necessarily mean forever. Right? It says. Um, right, Shimon lived there forever. That's not true, right? The, uh, um, from here, the Gemara discusses the Aron again. Uh, if it was hidden, it was hidden in a room where the wood was stored. If you remember, this is a very good review. We have learned this before. Um, I think it was in Psachim, um, maybe also in Shkalim, that there was a, um, a sto- ah, it was in Shkalim, that there was the priest who was in uh who saw the floor was a little bit different in this chamber. And when he was going to uh, tell somebody that he thinks that the Aron was uh, hidden underneath, uh, he actually died and wasn't able to reveal the secret. Um, Okay, Uh, when the Aron was there, uh, the Gemara talks about uh, how the poles, right, there were two poles that extended out from the ark and how they uh, were seen but not seen. So the Gemara asks, what does that mean, seen and not seen? So really they were covered, meaning they were behind the curtain, but they pushed the curtain uh, so it looked like two breasts. Uh, and the Gemara talks about the love that God has 
for the Jewish people, uh, right? It's meant to be, right? It reminds us of Shir HaShirim, uh, the Song of Songs, and how uh, the Jewish people are beloved to God. Um, and uh, from here, the Gemara talks about the Kruvim, right? The, the cherubs that were, that sat on top of the ark, um, and how um, when when the r- relations between man and the Jewish people and God were good, um, they were looking at each other. It seems that he was even a little bit more. Uh, they they might have been intimate, uh, but uh, the the Gemara talks about on fifty four how uh, during the the three main holidays the curtain was opened and the people were able to see how much God loved the Jewish people um, as much as right. A man and a woman love each other. Um, and uh, But the Gemara says, wait a minute, how were the people able to see the Aron when we are talking about the, the Levi'im packing up the tabernacle and all the vessels? It says that they weren't allowed to look at the vessels till they were covered. So how could that be? Um, so the Gemara explains, as I thought very nicely, um, well, in the desert, that was when the Jewish people and God were only engaged. So they couldn't see each other, right? They, we couldn't see the Aron. But in the Beit HaMikdash, now they were married. And when you're married, we know that a husband can look at his wife, uh, and therefore the Jewish people could look at the Aron. Uh, so I thought that that was really, um, really beautiful um, really beautiful idea uh the the gemara says so then why did that person why did that person die when um why did he die when he was going to reveal where the aron was when he was going to see it so the gemara says well now after the the destruction of the temple it's as if um the jewish people and god got divorced um but the second temple the jews are remarried um and therefore uh, when they're remarried, there's a little bit more modesty, more tznyut, and the Aaron was not meant to be revealed just then. Um, okay, so the Gemara says again that what we're talking about, uh, the Mishnah that we were talking about when we pulled back the curtain, that was in the first temple, uh, again, so that they could see the, um, that they could see the Aaron. And um, the Gemara talks about there being 13 different curtains in the temple. Um, or the Gemara says, no, 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 our Mishnah is really talking about the second temple. And when they showed the Kruvim, they didn't mean the cherubs that were on top of the Ark of the Aron. Again, as we said, in the second temple, there is no Ark. It's hidden away or taken. So um, the, the Gemara says that there were actually images of Kruvim on the wall. And that's what they were showing um, and that they were and these images were, again, symbolic of um, the relationship between God and man. Um, interestingly, the, the Gemara describes that when the non-Jews saw the Kruvim, the cherubs, um, in the Holy of Holies, they took them out to the marketplace and you, they, they said, look, you know, look at these Jewish people. They have these, uh, again, here it seems that they, they were being intimate with one another, uh, the Kruvim themselves, and like they they debased them. They said, look how base the Jewish people are, right? And they didn't understand that it really was uh, symbolizing our relationship 
with God. Uh, the Evan Hashtia, as I mentioned, the stone that's on the floor. Let's see if it's here. Hold on. Um, that's okay. No. Um, so the stone that we've been talking about, the Gemara says, and this is the source, right, that the world was actually created from this stone, meaning this was um uh, this was the the place uh, from where the world was created. Uh, interestingly, the Gemara says, or right, either the world was created right from the center out, or it was created from the sides in, or maybe from the sea and out, or maybe from again from Zion, from Yerushalayim. Um, okay, Daf fifty five. Uh, we're going to talk about how the sprinkling was done. Um, the Mishnah said that it was done like a matzlif. Uh, so the question is, what does that word mean? So the Gemara says it's like someone who's whipping, uh, meaning it's you're like throwing forward. And um, the Gemara says that you can see here in the picture, when it was up, you actually lower your hand, right? If you think about throwing a ball like underhanded, right? You want it to go up. So you lower your hand down and you sprinkle up. When he sprinkled down, sorry, when he sprinkled down, he raised his finger and then sprinkles down. Uh, so th that is what he was, what the Gemara is talking about on 55. Um, okay, uh, here, uh, there's, this daf is very, uh, I don't want to use the word Gemara-y, that's not very uh, uh, eloquent, but uh, the Gemara is, is, is very, is, focuses on this daf, uh, on different verses and comparing them, and how do we learn one thing from another, uh, and 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 goes through different um, expositions. So um, let's start. So the the Gemara says on fifty five that we're going to compare the verses of the blood of the bull to the verses of the blood of the goat, and interestingly enough. Neither of them have all the information, and therefore we're going to have to combine the two. Um, so it says that um, you have to put the blood on, but it also says you have to put the blood in front of. Uh, so the Gemara says that uh, in front of really means towards, and even though it says on, it doesn't really mean on, it means in front of. Um, when it's said with the goats that you have to sprinkle up one time, uh, and then they didn't know how many times down you're supposed to sprinkle for the goat. Um, so the Gemara says, let's learn it from the bull, just as the bull was sprinkled seven down. So let's learn that the down for the goat is also seven. Um, now we're going to flip it. For the bull, I know that you do seven down, but I don't know how many you do up. So the Gemara says, let's learn it from the goat. When it says by the goat, you do one up. Therefore, you do one up for the, the, the bull as well. Uh, now, how do we count? Right. So we mentioned in a Mishnah one way, which is one, one and one, one and two, one and three. Uh, that's Rabbi Meir's opinion. Rabbi Huda says you do one, one and one, two and one, three and one, right? And the Gemara says they're not really arguing. Um, each one had his place on how they, they counted, right? Do we say 
21, 22, or do we say 1 and 20, 2 and 20, right? So they're basically saying the same idea, just a little bit differently, right? Everybody agrees that you always have, you count the 1 that was up separately from the 7. Um, and the question is why? One reason is we don't want you to get confused. Again, if you do 1 up, if you then do 7 down, if you do two right if you do one and then you say two right but this is not two of down this is only one of down uh therefore you do one one and one one and two one and three that's that's the way they explain it or maybe they did it based on uh a verse um and then it would matter if they um if they made a mistake or not did it work um yes uh, Sarah, yes, the one is in reference to the sprinkling up. Sprinkling up is one, then sprinkling down, we're going to say it was basically one up, one down, one up, two down, one up, three down, right? So that's that's basically the idea that we're keeping um, in mind, the one up plus each one of the ones that went down. Um, now the Gemara gets into uh, a longer conversation about the stands that we saw. Here, I'll show you a picture. Uh, these stands over here, the stands that held the blood, were there one, was there one stand or two stands? Um, now we're going to go a little bit on a tangent and we'll come back to the stands in a minute. Uh, and those of you who have been learning with me for a little while, we're going to go back to Shkalim. Um, where we learned about the uh, 13 uh, collection boxes that were in the temple. And uh, they looked, they were kind of curved on top, which is why they were called shofarot, because they had a shape like a shofar. Um, so you can see them here. These are the 13 shofarot. You can see them like up close. Um, and they were each for a different uh, collection. Um, so the Gemara says that there were 13 of these shofarot, and um, it mentions that Rabbi Yehuda says that there was no collection box for um, obligatory bird offerings. Why? Because he was afraid they would get mixed up with something else, and then they would be invalid. Um, and therefore, the Gemara says that therefore he says that there should only be one stand in the temple for the blood. Why? Because I'm nervous, right? If you only have one stand and you know what you're holding, so then you know what's on the stand, right? You can't, you can't, you have to pick up something to put it down. You always know what you're holding. If you have two stands, so then you're nervous. Um, wait a minute, which one is which? And we're going to get to um, today's daf, which is all about the confusions. What happens if, Right? What, what happens if they get confused? But we're trying not to get confused. So the Gemara asks, well, wait a minute. Um, weren't they written? Why can't we just label the stands? Let's have one stand that says the bull, one stand that says um, um, goat, just like they labeled the collection boxes 
in the temple, right? And the Gemara goes through those the 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 thirteen collection boxes. There was one for the new shkalim. There were again machatita shekel from from masechet shkalim. There was one uh, of old shkalim from last year. There was one for the doves. There was one for the young pigeons, um, and and then for the um, voluntary korbanot, the voluntary sacrifices. But the point is, they're all written. So if they're labeled, why are you nervous that it's going to get confused? It says what's there. Um, so the Gemara says, oh, no, maybe what we're really nervous about is that maybe the person who donated the money died. And as we know, an obligatory bird offering, one of them is an ola, meaning it gets completely burnt, but the other is a chatat, it's a sin offering. Now, we knew, we learned last week that a sin offering whose owner dies is invalid. It, it needs to be thrown out. So what happens here if, um, if the owner died? So the Gemara says, wait a minute, why can't I just take out four zoos throw those in the garbage and say, okay, that was the money of the guy who died and everything else is fine. So the Gemara says, no, 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 we don't do that because taking out four random coins and saying that was the, the, the one of the person who was deceased, that's what's called Brera. Uh, we have learned this concept before. Brera means um, uh, retroactive designation, meaning I wasn't sure in the beginning what was what, but now I'm going to decide what was really in the first place. That's called Brera. Some sages say that you can use Brera as a mechanism, and some say no. Um, so uh, the Gemara says uh, at the bottom of 55, right, that if you buy wine from the Kutim, the Kutim uh, as we've mentioned, are a nation that live in Israel and they quasi-converted. There's machloket if they are really Jews or not. Uh, but it seems that even if you see them as Jews, uh, it seems that they were not very good at um, at taking off uh, trumot and masrot, uh, separating the tithes. So if you buy wine, on Friday afternoon, right before Shabbat. Now, on Shabbat, you're not allowed to separate tithes. So um, what do you do? Now I want to drink from this wine, and I didn't have time to separate it. So what do I do? So the Gemara says, um, okay, um, you can say, and uh, we'll go on to the very long daf of, uh, of 56 Amud Aleph. Those of you who are looking at the daf, it's literally one line, um, but uh, this is uh, because the concept of Brera is very complicated. Um, so let's see how it works. So the Gemara says, the first opinion is, uh, you take this barrel and you say, two lug, uh, a measurement, that I am going to leave at the bottom of this barrel, those are going to be truma. Ten lug, those are going to be maser rishon. Nine lug, those are going to be maser sheni. And then you can drink from the barrel. Now, really, and this is according to Rabbi Meir, really, you didn't do anything. You didn't take off this and you didn't take off that. But Rabbi Meir says you can leave it at the bottom and then that's called, right, brera, right, retroactive designation. That, when I get there, I say, oh, yeah, that's exactly what I meant to do. Um, Rabbi Huda says, no, this does not work. Um, uh, it doesn't work. 
Now, the Gemara here is going to ask, oh, is this your proof that Rabbi Yehuda doesn't hold by Breira, that he doesn't allow us to use this mechanism? Maybe this case is different or unique, I should say. Why? Because Rabbi Yehuda could say, maybe this barrel is going to break and then all the wine at the bottom is going to fall out. And now you ended up drinking something that you didn't end up giving trumot and masros, right? You couldn't separate it because it all spilled on the floor. So maybe that's why Rabbi Huda says it doesn't work. And it has nothing to do with the mechanism of Brera. So we can't prove it from this. So we're going to try something else. So Ayo says, um, you can't make two stipulations like one. And this is going to be a very good uh, uh, review for those of you who learned Masachet Eruvin. Uh, when we talked in Eruvin about making an Eruv, if you remember here I'm talking about Eruv Tchumin, right? You're supposed to stay within 2,000 Amot of your city if you want to go further than that on Shabbat. So before Shabbat, you put a loaf of bread or some sort of food at the city limits. And that's called your Eruv Tchumin. And then you get 2,000 Amot from that point. Now, the Gemara says, what happens if you're not sure which direction you want your Eruv to go in, right? So the Gemara comes up with a scenario that, um, let's say you hear that a rabbi is coming to town and you want to go out and meet him, but you're not sure which direction he's coming from. So here, actually, um, the, the Gemara says you can put two Eruvs, and when you see the Rav coming, that's the one that's going to be the real Eruv, and that's going to work. But if, let's say, there are two Rabbis coming, right? Uh, the Rabbi from the town to the east, and a Rabbi from the town to the west, and you're not sure which year you want to go to. Um, so you can't put out two Eruvs and say, oh, on Shabbat, I'm going to decide which Eruv I want to be real. So the Gemara says that that doesn't work. And it seems um, that that's Breira, right? Meaning I put out two Eruvs and I'm only going to decide on Shabbat which one I meant to put out originally. Uh, but then the Gemara says, why does it work in the first case? Again, the first case where it's one rabbi who's coming. I'm just not sure which direction he's coming from. So the Gemara says, well, that works because the rabbi already started on his journey, meaning he knows which direction he's going on. So the, the reality is someone knows which Eruv is going to be the real Eruv, even from before Shabbat. But for the two rabbis, you're, you are going to only decide tomorrow, then that doesn't work. Um, so again, the first case is not Brera, where the second case is Brera. Uh, so the Gemara at the bottom of 56 says that therefore Rabbi Yehuda holds that we don't uh, do Brera, we don't do retroactive designation. And even if you label it, again, we're going back to our stands, um, you might still mi get mixed up. Why? Uh, the, so the Gemara says that the, the Kohen Gadol, again, the high priest, is very weak and he might not pay attention, and there might be a mix-up, which, again, we're very concerned about, right? The Gemara says, well, maybe 
there's less blood, meaning maybe there are other signs that I can figure out which is which, right? You need to catch all the blood. So if I catch all the blood, a, a, a bull has much more blood than a goat. Um, the Gemara says, no, you still might mix it up. Or the Gemara suggests that maybe there's a difference in color of the blood, which is interesting. Uh, the Gemara says, no, the Kohen Gadol still might mix it up. Um, okay. So uh, uh, the, the Gemara talks about someone who was once praying, and he said, um, he put, right, again, on Yom Kippur, we say this, there's a prayer that talks about the service in the, in the temple, and it says that he put down the blood on the second stand, and then he picked it up, and he put down the other. So it seems to not be clear, was this person saying that there were two stands, which is like the rabbis, or was there only one stand? Um, and uh, the Gemara says that, no, no, you should amend it, and you should say he put it down, and then he picked it up, meaning that there really were two, uh, two stands. Uh, again, we, we're going to say that the sprinkling in the Heichal, in the outer sanctuary, was done just exactly as they did in the inner sanctuary, one up and seven down, once one set for the the bull blood and one set for the blood of the goat. Uh, we're now on Daf fifty seven, and um, uh, the the uh, it seems that this um, a person who is very uh, I guess argumentative uh, once said uh, it seems that you Jewish people are impure. Uh, right after the uh, the destruction of the temple, uh, and therefore God isn't with you anymore. And the Gemara says, no, actually the verse says that the, the Holy Presence is with us even when we are Tameh. That's the end of the verse that we just quoted before. Um, okay, the Gemara questions our extrapolations from the last daf, where we're learning uh, from goat to bull and bull to goat, and from inside the Kodesh HaKodeshim to outside in the Kodesh. And the Gemara asks, how can we do all of this? It seems like it's a little bit too far. We're going too far, right? meaning um, the Gemara says it's a Hekesh after another Hekesh, meaning I'm, I'm taking it too far. And the Gemara says, no, uh, these are two different comparisons, and therefore it is okay. Um, we talked about sprinkling towards the curtain, um, but someone said that when he went to Rome and he was able to see the the curtains, the parochet in uh, in Rome, you know, maybe in the Vatican, right? So uh, um, he saw drops of blood in uh, on the on the curtain. But you just said that it wasn't supposed to be on the curtain. So the Gemara says, no, uh, maybe it was a, a blood of another sacrifice that you saw or maybe a little bit got on it, but the majority of the blood needs to be on the floor. Um, now come a, a number of questions about mix-ups, right? What if the blood gets mixed together? Uh, what are you supposed to do? Again, remember we're supposed to do one up, seven down of the bull, one up, seven down of the goat. So what happens if they get mixed? So one uh, opinion is that you sprinkle once up and seven down, and you have in mind that it should be the bull and the goat, right? You do it once, and there, there should be, right, if it, it mixes together, there should be um, 
you know, bull blood and goat blood in that sprinkling. Uh, the Gemara says no, uh, because that seems to be out of order. Because if you do one up of the the bull and the the goat, then when you do seven down, um, are you doing it of the of the bull or of the goat? Right. So so rather the Gemara suggests that uh, again we said we must complete the sprinkling of the bull before we go on to the sprinkling of the goat. Uh, and therefore, you should do it all twice, once up and seven down for the bull, and then again with the same blood, one up, seven down for the goat. Um, what if they get mixed up after he already started, right? He did one up, and now they get mixed up. So what do you do? So then you do, one opinion is you do seven down for the the bull and the seir, and then you do one more up for the bull, for the goat. Uh, the Gemara says again, no, it has to be in order. Therefore, you do, again, you already did one up, so you do seven down for the bull, and then you start again, one up for the goat, seven down for, uh, for the goat. Um, what happens if um, it gets mixed up in two different, and now you have two different vessels and you're not sure which is which. So the Gemara says you actually do it three times, once with cup number one, once with cup number two, and then again with cup number one. Why? Because again, we want to make sure that the bull comes before the, the goat. So if number one is, is the bull, so then number two is the goat and that works. But if number one is the goat, then it doesn't work. So then you have to do number two and then number one again. Okay, last two questions. Um, what if some got mixed and some didn't get mixed? So obviously the ones that didn't get mixed, you were going to sprinkle with, those, with that blood. Um, but um, then the question is, what is the rest of the blood? Is it like leftover? It's called shiraim, which gets poured on the foundation of the altar, or is it considered um, like unusable, and then it gets spilled into the amah, which was like a drainage pipe um, in the temple, and that's actually a machloket. Uh, and the last question is, what happens if um, the he mixes the blood after the sprinkling is done? Um, ah, sorry. The, so the Gemara says that you, you mix the blood. Remember we said we mix the blood after you sprinkled. So then uh, it's before you're going to put it on the corners of the golden altar, which is going to be, uh, I'll just show you a preview, sorry, preview for next week. Uh, we are going to put the blood on the golden altar, but that is for next week. Um, with that... I actually wanted to share with you, uh, I, sh I, I sent you an email, but um, I wanted to share with you the song of uh, Ishai Ribo uh, that, that talks about the, uh, the Avodah that we just spoke about. So I thought it would be nice to play it uh, at the end. I don't know if you had a chance um, to hear it. One second, just let me know. Uh, I wonder if you're going to hear it. Hold on. Let me see. Hold on. Can you hear the song? 
No? Okay, wait, hold on one minute. Wait. Sorry, one minute. Wait, wait. One second, one second. I think when I share, one second. Wait, let me try one more time. Uh, optimize motion and video. Oh, here. Okay, yeah. Okay, now let me know. Can you hear it? Nichnas le makom she nichnas, ve'amad be makom she amad. Bachatia davraglav, taval alav, ve'nistapak. Ba mi makom she uba, ve'alach le makom she alach. Bachat bigdei achol, lavash bigdei lavad. Ve'kach ha'yomer anashem. Oh, Okay, uh, we don't have to hear the whole song, but uh, I, I, I always get emotional listening to it. Uh, it gave you a little bit of a preview. We haven't talked about him coming out and saying God's name yet, uh, but we will get there. And uh, I wish everyone a, a Shavua Tov. Now, I really could say Shavua Tov on a Sunday. Um, uh, as I mentioned before, um, I'm going to be traveling um, to the States. I'm going to be in New York. Um, so I think that for the next two weeks, um, I'm going to give the shear on Sunday morning, New York time, so that um, people in Israel can listen to it on Sunday afternoon. I'll tell you, I'll send an email exactly what time it will be. Um, so if you want to join me live, that would be great. It's always fun talking to live people. Um, if it is challenging, uh, I totally understand that I'm changing it on you. Um, I will be recording the shiurim, and you can always listen to them another time. Um, so um, thank you, everybody. Shavua Tov. And uh, looking forward to learning next week as well. So thank you, everyone.